Hello listener, welcome to Switch It. Yikes. If the Basball era got off to a flying start at Lords, then England threatened to go stratospheric over five days of pure BMAC brawling at Trent Bridge. Records were broken, preconceptions were torched, and quite possibly the rules of test match, time and space were changed forever. Frankly, we're in need of a lie down. But that, of course, is not an option. So we're here to try and separate the WTC from the WTF. <laughs> Luckily, the pod has also benefited from an injection of magic as we welcome full-time meme generator and part-time Andrew Strauss sound-alike Vitushan Hantaraja to the show. As ESPN Cricket Info's new associate editor, Vish, is still on probation, so Andrew Miller has joined us to ensure the usual Mickey Mouse standards are met. Um, lovely to see you, gents. Welcome back after all these years, Vish. How did I do with the pronunciation there? Well, as as good as ever, really. I think you've been, in, yeah, <laughs> you've been influenced by um, by what you've seen in uh, up in Nottingham. So um, you're, yeah. full of, you're full of pep, actually. I thought you'd be quite tired after what you've been through. Um, just running on fumes, I think. Cab, uh, uh, kebab probably helped. <laughs> yeah, mega munch. Uh, <laughs> highly recommend uh, a night out. Um, it's nice to have some actual podcasting pedigree on the show. Have, have you got any ramble secret, secrets you can let us in on? Uh, don't say anything libelous. And um, well, to be honest, I feel like I'm coming at the right time after the England football team had quite a dispiriting result last night. <laughs> yes. Is this the moment that cricket overtakes football as a nation's pastime? Yes. At the moment, you've changed horses. I'm not going to say it's a coincidence. Um, <laughs> and presumably it's been an enjoyable first couple of days in the job? It has been, yeah. I got my first email from the lawyers at 10pm on Monday for posting something that I shouldn't have done relating to um, my work-related... Uh, well, my past, basically. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, that is 100, 100% true. Yeah, I posted my past on um, on Twitter and I got a polite email saying, don't do that. But otherwise, it's been good, yeah. Emails on my phone. That, appropriate that it was a, you know, a social media-related um, uh, foul-up. Yeah, I, I think that's... You know where a lot of my um, mess ups are going to be at Vitu underscore if you want to come along for the ride. Yeah, live by the sword, die by the sword. Um, Miller, how are you doing? I'm Uh, doing very well, very well. I I think it's I think it's fair to say that you know what the inside of a casino looks like. I've heard rumours, yes. Um, So I'm hoping you can. um, uh, give us a guided tour of Baz Vegas. <laughs> We're only <laughs> only high rollers are welcome, and England are all in. Damn right, I'm all in. I mean, this 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 is what I have been calling for 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 years, frankly. And you know, there are two choices that cricket can make. And this week we have had the IPL mega mega mega. Never mind the IPL mega auction. We've had the mega 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 rights auction this week. 196 percent increase in value of the IPL from the last right cycle. Basically, every over of the IPL is costing $500,000 per over of IPL action. There is a massive great freight train coming down the tracks in cricket at the moment. And you can either stand the way of that freight train and say, oh, look at us, we're test test cricket. We are are great and upstanding and proud of our traditions and get squashed. Or you can think, you know what, let's just run with this. Let's just let's just do what we do and Johnny was talking about it I think he was talking talking to you yesterday in fact about uh, the IPL influence on this team this England team is actually quite good at white ball cricket quite good at IPL cricket and they decided you know what let's take some of that mindset some of that boshing that we have done quite effectively in white ball cricket for quite a long time now take it into test cricket and see if we can not be useless at it and uh, lo and behold <laughs> after winning one test in 17 by being tentative and timid and trying to respect the traditions of the game they've won two from two by tearing it up and tearing it up. So, uh, 
yeah, bring it on. <laughs> bring it bring it so far on that it keeps happening because, you know, we had a free entry crowd at, at Trent Bridge yesterday who loved it. And what's not to love? Test cricket is the greatest form of the game because it evolves. It adapts. It fits the, the narrative that it needs to fit to be the best version of the sport at any given time. And it's needed an update and it's got it. Yeah, well, we will certainly get to uh, Johnny Bairstow's IPL conditioning and beast mode. Um, there's only one place to start, I think, and that's obviously the number of ball changes in this test. Uh, which, uh, yeah, <laughs> Dukes have really got to sort it out. No, the, the, uh, the, the Red Bull reset, the Red Bull reset, other energy drinks are available, has um, charged out of the gate. England producing more memorable cricket in two games than during the entire two-year reign of Chris Silwood. Um, there were 1,685 runs in the Nottingham Test. England scored nearly 850 at close to five and over. Uh, they pulled off their fifth-highest run chase. Johnny, Johnny Bairstow blitzed the second-fastest test done by an Englishman. Trent Bridge gave out 17,000 free tickets on the final day. Trent Bolt became the highest-scoring number 11 in test history. Um, pick a card where do you want me to start <laughs> I don't know really I suppose we should start with you know with the England team and I agree with everything Miller just said about how test cricket has to not even just evolve just stand up for itself and it felt like it did that over the last five days maybe even over the last week if you want to throw laws in there as well um, I would say that England have attempted to do this before you know the Trevor Bayliss team full of all-rounders was basically a way of saying mm. you know what here are our best 11 cricketers it just so happens that quite a few of them like to bat and bowl, bowl at the same time let's let them go out and express themselves and there were some quite high moments that first you know that I think of that first summer in 2015 where you've got the New Zealand test of Lords you then have England winning the Ashes in the way they did uh, you know later that summer and it felt like England were onto something of sorts and it didn't quite materialise this seems a little bit different, not just because the guy at the top of the tree is someone who, you know, has walked the walk that he's now talking, I suppose. Mm. Um, but it seems to be that England are, well, England are at, <laughs> you know, when McCullum took over, they were in a rut, quite a sizable rut, to the extent where they had to come out swinging. There was no way else out from this because they tried everything. They tried, they picked loads of different players. They tried to play many different ways. There's a lovely symmetry between the way they didn't go for that chase at Lords at the start of 2021 to this and the way they pulled it off. Um, and I think it, a lot of it, it comes down to the players as well. I think the likes of Alex Lees and Ben Folks, more Folks than Lees because Folks has had to wait a lot longer for this for this run. I think they, they probably can't believe their luck, really, in terms of coming in, in at a time where the coach is basically saying, just... Do what you do in the way that you enjoy doing it and we will we will back you 100%. I even think someone like Zach Crawley, who obviously didn't have a, you know, hasn't had a very good start to the summer, is someone whose place is definitely under threat, is also going to benefit from just being allowed to, you know, just work it out, learn by doing, which is basically what McCullum's about. And even someone like Harry Brook, who, you know, um, is banging down the door pretty much inside the house isn't it <laughs> but um you know he's not going to get the go that he was supposed to get headingly if things had you know transpired differently but is nevertheless in and around this group and in and around this team in and around that man in Baz McCullum who's you know going to take him to new exciting places so i mean I, I will temper this and say that we're still at the emperor's new clothes phase like I was saying to Miller just before we started recording when we were upstairs, that there's every chance that a year from now we're thinking, God, what are they playing at? 
you know, why is Stokes still charging down the wicket? Why is, you know, why is everyone still trying to swing for the fences? But, I mean, for what it was, it was an incredible feat. And, you know, I, you know even though I wasn't there, I'm still buzzing from it. I, I, on, the, on that point, though, I, I think there's, there's a very important change of mindset to be, to be had, not just from the players, but from the public in all of this. And what, what I think probably the most interesting thing of Joe Root's reign that's just finished is the fact that he ended up as England's most winningest captain and most losingest captain. And I think, I think drew about three tests. And one of those was that Sydney game when England were clinging on with, with, with all men lost. So already in the last five years, the draw is basically non-existent in, in English test cricket. And the only time the draw does become a factor is when you end up with board draws, literally board draws, the ones that we saw out in the Caribbean. Now, obviously, I endured some friendly fire from uh, from from within Crick Info for a piece I wrote during the <laughs> during the, the Barbados Test match. But you know, I'm, I'm just going to re- revisit that for a moment. You know, Carlos uh, Craig, Craig Brathwaite's um, magnificent century it was magnificent in his own right, but it went nowhere. Just just blocking out endlessly for absolutely no purpose, I think, is not acceptable anymore in Test cricket. You've got to accept, and I think England have accepted this wholeheartedly in this summer already, is that the draw is only a factor when a victory or a loss is out of out of out of the question. England went for this win. They could have they could have they could have shut up shop at 50, 50 for three when Joe Root gets out. Previous regimes would have thought, oops, it was it was fun what last year, but no, you know what, we're we're out of here. Mm. But no, they kept going because they realised that having had five years of trying to shut up shop and getting bowled out for 110. There's no point in shutting up shop. Play your shots on an outfield that quick. Keep playing your shots. See what happens. Get bowlers into their fourth and fifth spells because you're swinging them to the fences. Um, that is a far better way of going about it. I, you know, even I would even go so far as to say the seeds of this. You could almost go back to that dismal Ashes tour in in 2013-14. If you look at that final test at Sydney, England, I think was at 448. Final test at Sydney. Absolutely no chance of winning it. And yet they go down blazing at, at a run of ball for 180. I think Ben Stokes, Stokes got, was... got 32 from 16. <laughs> Just swinging for the fences. Is like, you know what? What the hell? I'm going to have yeah. a go regardless. Even then, when he was like 22, 23, swinging for the fences, and that's that's almost a decade ago now. The the seeds of this approach, you know, they've, they've suddenly come to fruition now. But these guys have been around a long time. They've endured a lot of wins and a lot of losses by doing it the the way they're meant to. And now they're doing it the way they know best, and I'm enti- I'm I'm all for trusting them to go with that, and to you know if it ends up this summer they end up in a heap, a mangled heap from from going too hard. I'd far prefer that than ending up in a in a in a bored heap because you know they've not even got the courage of their convictions in the first place. And yeah, I'm 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 completely all in on this. <laughs> well, it's it seems like the England players are as well. I mean, you can't. Uh, go around a street corner without bumping into one talking about how Brendan has been preaching positivity. Um, Vish, how sort of revolutionary was this test, do you think? I mean, are we going to look back on it in the way, I mean, you mentioned Lords 2015, which had certainly had a, um, a, an influence within the English game. Um, and and was, there was a, an uptick in, in feeling and form and obviously the white ball team um, really um, kicked on from there. Um, but... I mean, go back to, so I was at Trent Bridge the first day, Ben Stokes has chosen to bowl first, mm. um, after which John Lewis was um, gamely put up to try and 
explain why this was the aggressive play. I, I don't think he sold it quite as convincingly as McCullum perhaps would have done or, or did in the dressing room. Um, but, you know, England conceded 553 to New Zealand and then went about matching that near as damn it at more than four runs and over. And and the time that they saved you know, by pressing yeah. on at that speed enabled the result um, to be possible at the end, albeit we didn't then see them chasing down 350 overs either. Yeah, so so what? So I suppose your question is basically, will this have the nourishing quality? The nourishing it, properties, can you I see this? Of, you know, if England go this way, but McCullum has kind of talked about being yeah. an evangelist for you know Test cricket getting back on its pedestal. I mean, if that's the way it's going about it, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. It might I, have its drawbacks. Yeah, I mean, the, the drawbacks I can, I can take or leave. You know, for the same reasons that Miller articulated at the start that. It's been so rubbish that why not, you know, why not swing for the fences? Um, in terms of nourishing qualities, no doubt it will um, in terms of emboldening, emboldening the people involved. And also, bear in mind, it was only a few years ago that players were, you know, privately, but um, still vocally, if that's possible, um, were talking about how being in the test team is a bit of a drag, being in the white ball team is a lot of fun. And those who were just in the test team had a bit of, you know, resentment towards the ODI team just because it looks so much fun and you know, you know I suppose the white ball team rather than specifically the ODI team and now it feels like that you know that group of test players they look like they're having fun certainly some of the videos on, on Twitter that surface overnight they look like they had a great <laughs> night you know um, and certainly going forward that is just going to breed a healthier environment in that dressing room bear in mind that you know Millis mentioned before about the public and about how I suppose it's a challenge to us in the media as well, isn't it? If they're going to play like this, if they're going to tell you they're going to play like this, and if they're going to pull off games like that, I suppose when it goes wrong, we would probably have to temper what we're what we're saying, what we write, how we critique it, because we can't go big on something like that and then hammer them for, you know, say if they lose in spectacular fashion next week at Headingley. Um, but a lot of the issues in the past about how it's been quite a tense environment has been down to basically not just how they played the cricket, but how they've approached it as well. If you think of the way that they've cycled through openers, bowlers, middle over players now, sorry, you know, middle order players now recently, you're in a situation where players come in and are just looking over their shoulder immediately. You think of someone like Dan Lawrence most recently, someone who has come in, seemed to impress and then just been chucked out. And that creates a you know an unhealthy atmosphere where players come in and they're not really sure of themselves and they don't play the way they play normally. You know, the, you, you talk to any pro and they always say, "What's your first bit of advice to someone who comes into the international game?" Is keep doing what you've done that's got you here in the first place. And England Test cricketers haven't really done that because of that anxiety, and that'll change and that'll definitely be a good thing. Um, in terms of like this is a new way of playing cricket, I, I was thinking back to you know India and Australia recently where they had to play this way because the injuries they had and pulled off quite a spectacular result. And mm. for, for all the glory that Rishabh Pant had, there was, you know, cameos from Washington Sundar, for example. <laughs> where totally like, Oh, wow, and... okay, yeah, <laughs> Shuttle, uh, br- uh, you know, a brilliant example. Someone who came into that and thought, yeah, I could do that, actually. Yeah, actually, well, I'll puff my chest out as well, why not? Um, is it a product, you know, that was, that was, you know, shown as a product of the IPL. Mm. Is this a product of the 100, is what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, we don't know. It's not for me to say. Um, but it's, yeah, go, it's the likely source of it. I think, yeah, though. of course. Yeah, you know, Welsh fire hero, Northern Supercharger's <laughs> captain. But, you know, it does feel like we're potentially in a situation 
which could be quite fruitful for English cricket in that way, for Test cricket specifically. I suppose we do have a caveat that with saying New Zealand were a bowler down and Carl Jameson, who beyond Bolt has been their most impressive and, and would have changed things, no doubt. Um, if you're going to go big on any ground, it's going to be Trent Bridge. Um, and if you're going to do it against any opponents, you're not going to meet, you know, none more obliging than the Black Caps. <laughs> now, if that's Australia or India, then no, of course they're not going to play ball with you like that. And I wonder if going forward, actually, if England are going to adopt this stance, we could be in danger. I'm, I'm thinking too far ahead here, but we could be in danger of being a bit pretentious with this and thinking, well, we play it in this way. I can't believe you don't want to play it in that, in that way. I mean, yes, I, I, I agree with that point. But at the same time, we've had two test matches already this summer, the first of which starts with England's bowlers rattling aside for 39 for six. And then the second test starts with both sides scoring 500. So we've had both extremes mm, of yeah. basball. We've had the bowler <laughs> dominant basball, the batting dominant basball, yeah. and both of them being compelling in their own right. So, you know, the lessons that will come out of one and lessons will come out of the other, you'd assume a little bit like what Owen Morgan's England did by the time they won the World Cup. You, you know, you take on board what it was that, that collapse in Adelaide of, of nine for six or 20 yeah. for 10 or whatever it was against there were the, a few weren't there'd there been a few South few, Africa at Lords exactly uh, South uh, Africa at Lords so a few absolute honkers along the way <laughs> and you 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 don't you don't uh, I mean uh, Morgan was incredibly good at sort of saying that's just the way we play but KP like in that respect but secretly he was taking notes he was taking notes yeah. privately and you know okay we'll, we'll temper our style a little bit next time but publicly we're still going to puff our chests out this is still the way we play mm. and then you come come the big event Actually, England weren't shooting for 400 every innings. They were they were doing pretty well to get to 300, and it's still by taking taking the lessons learnt from the extremes that they faced along the way, they end up being the best team in the tournament. So, you know, I I think they I think the point is they're smart enough to realise that you know there will be extremes, but the way we play manifests itself differently. Each time, so long as you, the way you play, the way Jimmy plays when the ball is swinging, is right. We give him six slips, and we trust mm. him to keep hitting the length that's going to get the catches that get the wickets. And the way we play when the ball is being tonked to all parts on a 500 pitch is is subtly different. And you know, Stokes was actually I thought very good, very good captaincy. Mm-hmm. That particularly, I think it was the was it Henry he suckered with the opened up. Opened yes, up moved, the, the, moved the, the, the hook. Bearstow in, I think, off yeah. the, off the yeah. boundary. Moved, and... moved Bearstow off that short boundary, yeah. kept banging the bouncer, and he splices the gully. I mean, it's like perfect. I mean, that, yeah. that was that was exactly the sort of smart, proactive captaincy. And proactive is a word that everyone's been flinging around left, right, and centre at the moment. But essentially, that's what it's about: finding a way uh, to make it work in in and and you know, playing to the strengths at all the times and, and not playing to your weaknesses, which essentially is what England have done all too often in collapsing in a heap in, in previous tests. Yeah, and I suppose one of the things about this particular approach was, I suppose the benefits of it for this England team were probably quite visible on WinViz, which, you know, Sky was showing. And, it, and like, it is important to state that, like, you know, QuickViz obviously provide that and it's, you know, it's probably the most rudimentary of the things they provide because it's the most easily digestible and it, you know, it looks good on... On screen and stuff like that, but obviously there there annoys people. That, yeah, yeah, but you know <laughs> people getting it, uh, people adds getting... information. Yeah. Athers was uh, was very disgruntled at the draw, uh, and he was right. The, the, but, but 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 the the point the about data, that, the history yeah. would have suggested history. that normally this would be a draw. Exactly. So that's based on stuff that has happened. Yeah. If England are going to do what they're going to do now, there is you know no data set against the Red Bull for this kind of stuff, and I wonder if it does play into England's favour going forward, given that suddenly the vulnerability of Alex Lees 
is a bit different when he's stepping out and chinning a ball, chinning his first two balls for four. Suddenly, the approach to that is, is very different. Suddenly, just, you know, holding the line of a ball for a right armour, going across a left-hander, might not work, because if, you, if you're off, he will go after you. You know, one of the things about England is, over the last couple of years, I've found, is that they're incredibly easy to bowl at, because they're not very proactive. Mm. And now you're going to be in a situation where people mm. are encouraged to even just little things like bat out of their crease and suddenly all the lengths that people have on file aren't really going to be as relevant as they were even two months ago. Well, it was, it was brilliant what, what, what Stokes apparently said to Bairstow after tea. It's like, right, they're going to bang it in short. Don't you dare hit down the ground. Just lump him into the stands. It's absolutely brilliant. I mean, it was essentially just just play to your strengths. You've done this before on this on this very ground. I think when England scored their what, their world record four eight one. Yeah. I think he scored one two nine from ninety two, didn't he? So uh, one three nine. One three nine. So, so, yeah, but it was so almost, almost identical. Exactly yeah, almost identical innings. They're flipping the psychology, aren't they? Because you know what is it? Um, you know, Doctor Stephen Peters, who's worked with Ronnie O'Sullivan and a few other athletes, talks about the like the inner chip. Mm. The, you know the 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 voice that wants you to do bad things. The doubting voice. And Stokes yeah. is like, "Well, no, listen to it. <laughs> You've got two devils on your shoulder, and one of them's me. <laughs> listen to that one." Well, and I mean, this um, gets to the nub of it, I suppose. Um, this is very much a confidence trick in every sense because most of the players are the same players that lost uh, miserably in the Caribbean. I mean, Matt Potts has made a debut, brought Jimmy and Stewart back, um, but it's 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 the same sort of group. Um, Brendan McCullum has gone in uh, with the sort of stated aim of pumping everyone's tyres uh, and in let's take the case of Bearstone in particular who's been in and out of the test team uh, over many years but it, I mean he came out like a monster truck uh, <laughs> yesterday and, and, and that equation um, at T and talking in old money and what the data would have said 160 off 38 overs it should have been a sort of thrilling session of nip and tuck, and if a wicket goes down, you know, and, and if a wicket had gone down, it would have been a bit more interesting because England had a bit of a tail. You found it underwhelming, did you? <laughs> it was just all a bit over a bit quickly, wasn't it? You know, I wanted I wanted a last ball thriller, mm. but I mean, it was extraordinary. It was extraordinary, and it was it was actually fascinating. I was on ball by ball at the time, so I was I was covering this in real time, and on ball by ball, as as listeners probably know. Spend a lot of time responding to emails as they come in. People mm. give their feedback. In between talking about another ball being lumped into the stands, I try to give an answer. And an awful lot of the emails were actually deeply chippy, I thought. They were sort of saying, there's no bloody way England can win this. What are you talking about? So, look, don't, don't take me to task for saying England over the win. This is a fact. I am a reporter of the fact. You're the messenger here. The fact not... is that England are going for the win. It is, it is 50 for three. England are still going for the win. It is whatever, for, for four. England is still going for the win. There is, there is no changing the psychology of this team until such point as you end up with Matt Potts clinging on with, with, with um, Jimmy Anderson, say, and then maybe, potentially, we would see England stop going for the win and, and accept a draw. While they had resources, essentially resources in the same way they would use their resources in white ball team, they are going for this win. And so the, you could see almost in real time the, the mood swinging. So people think, oh my God, actually, yeah, they, mm. this, this is working. This, this, this nonsense scenario of England chasing 299 in 50 overs, which actually, when you think about it, well, it's is a standard one-day chase. One day chase for England. <laughs> it, it, the, it was actually plausible. And I thought Bairstow... Bester's post-match comments on, on in the presentation, I thought, were utter gold. I thought every every word he said was was fascinating, and particularly his his description of the zone. 
he basically said, well, my zone was, see, was, was it's me versus the bowler. He's trying mm. to take me down. It's do or die. It's time to do. It, it, all, all he had to do was focus on that particular ball from that particular bowler, ignore every other detail, and suddenly it's a one-on-one game just like it would be in any other situation, any other format of the, of the game. And again, it, you know, the psychology is, is incredible in this because there's so much weight of history, so much weight of test cricket as the pinnacle, so much... Gubbins said about about Test cricket. Over Even your years. career average hanging yeah. over your head. Yeah, everything everything about Test cricket. Somehow you've been out the window, and this again comes back to Brendan McCollum. I mean, he, one day he'll speak to the media, and we'll, we'll actually <laughs> be able to be able to be able to drill down and get him to 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 to, to, to explain all this. But one of the themes that came out of of his run of interviews before he he really got his feet under the table was that incredible learning he took from that his incredible innings in Sharjah after the death of Phil Hughes when basically they all the New Zealand team basically just didn't want to play anymore and he managed to have a team meeting got them all around and said right do it for yourselves you're not doing not, not, not doing it for the team anymore just bat for yourself do what you like and I remember watching McCollum that day absolutely glazed look no emotions no nothing just you know what I'm just going to lump it and he came out and somehow I can't remember what he scored. It's incredibly. Was it two hundred? He got he got a huge number of runs that day in a very short space of time, mm-hmm. and he remembered the mindset he was in that day. It's like, of course, tragic events enabled him to access that mindset. But having been there once, he thought, you know what? That's where I want to be every time I play an innings. I want to be able to shut out all circumstance. This is not a test match anymore. This is not weight of history. This is not a, a format that's been around since 1877 and, 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 and is, is imploding under the weight of itself importance. This is just me taking on a bowler and belting him. And somehow that has that worked for him. He obviously, you know, 54 balls century in his mm. final test innings, a, a world record still. You know, he, he is the arch exponent of, 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 of hitting bowlers for miles in test cricket and, and extrapolating the, the mindsets he's taken from every other format. So he's he already, within two games, that mindset has been transposed to a, clearly a very receptive dressing room. So um, let's see where, see where it goes. As Johnny, again, Johnny, as I say, fascinating everything he said. Was, if we, I think his exact words were, I'll tell you what, if we're doing this after this week, after one week, imagine what we're doing next month, next year. <laughs> the excitement in his voice is that we're, we're going places. We're on a journey. It's like, whoa, go, go Johnny, go. Yeah. Well, it's it's harder, faster, stronger, bigger, better. Stokes has run out of vocabulary. He, he's sort of saying, well, we're just going to go more. We've got more next week. Harder, yeah. positiver isn't a word. But I mean, <laughs> Vish, um, on, on history and statistics, how invested were you in Johnny uh, Bairstow? possibly breaking Gilbert Jessop's 120-year-old record for the fastest test hundred by an Englishman. I was incredibly invested. Just I can because tell I... you that there was a groan around the press box at Trentbridge when he defended <laughs> the, the ball that would have yeah. beat the mark. I was incredibly invested, not least because I think that record is... Because <laughs> <laughs> there no, there's no ball-by-ball ball data. No, it's uh, our, our scorecard just has minutes, but someone has... Um, retrofitted well, 17 fours and a five yeah so, so he didn't hit a six yeah um, big ground though yeah yeah I'm sure yeah <laughs> the oval yeah. before before the um, gas chamber yeah so, so I, I don't think he did it because um, <laughs> okay, but, but, but like I mean this is for another time but all those pre-war war records mm. 
deserve to be scrutinised in some way or ignored outright. Or, or just scrubbed off, you say. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. Um, so you were near wisdom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, when, I was at the, um, when I was at the Olympics last year, we had like a sit-down with Seb Coe and he, we were talking about um, new shoes and new tracks and things like that. Mm. And he kind of alluded to the fact that one of the benefits of this is that all the old records, which particularly in, you know, in track events, mm. which were set by people who, um, let's just say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for legal purposes. I don't yeah. need a second email in a week, I remember, do I? remember your first bit yes, of advice. Yeah. Um, but says, you know, one of the benefits is those, those, those numbers will be pushed further down and people keep breaking the records and, you know, you'd ha- end up with, how you say, a clean top 10. And I think the more records that people set now, it's, it's you know, because certainly for where, where there's no record per se, or the records are very, um, very vague, then I'm all for that. History is bunk, is what you're saying. Yeah, about. exactly. I was about yeah. to say exactly that. Um, <laughs> We've been but it, but doing it, this too long. It, it's incredible, isn't it? Like, uh, so Will McPherson in the Evening Standard um, wrote a piece today where he said it was nice for Bearstow, nice for us in Test cricket to have a Bearstow match. Because there's been quite mm. a few in white ball cricket, but yeah. um, and I'm not necessarily someone who subscribes to the idea that you know what white ball games are a dime a dozen. You forget one, you know, there's always mm. one around the corner, this, that, and the other, because you do remember the momentous ones. Uh, but there's something about having a test next to your name or yeah. affixed to your name, which is quite a big deal. And for someone like him, who you know, before that, before Trent Bridge, if you're looking at the top of you know that English team with regards to batting. You know, it's Root and Stokes and Daylight. And then it's Bearstow and more Daylight. And I think we've always been wondering, where is Bearstow in relation to those two? Now, in 2016, obviously, he was right up there. And we almost got a reminder of that with Root's 2021, where you look at the numbers, you know, oh, God, I forgot Johnny did that. (laughs) And also, you know, this it's remarkable that this was his first home 100 since that 2016. Mm. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So... He's he's someone you know. I, I spoke a, a bit at the start about the new people who are going to benefit from this mindset. But if you think of Johnny Best, though, a lot of the talk around him has been about how he needs more of an arm around the sh- shoulder. I suppose a longer arm around the shoulder, not in the Mister Tickle sense, but just you know, <laughs> holding him that little bit longer. Um, Brendan's, you know, I think he's got quite short arms. Yeah, he does. Speaking. Yeah, he's, he's he looks just... even shorter with his short trousers, doesn't he? <laughs> but he's someone who I, I think the. You know, there's almost like an outside perception of him that he's hard work. When really, actually, in the dressing room, he's quite loved. Everyone knows what he's gone through through mm, you know through his childhood. Mm, mm. You know, the stuff with his father, um, which always feels prescient in moments like this. I know it's something that you you want to avoid as a as a writer, don't you? Because it's it's not only is it too obvious, but it also feels invasive at the same time. Mm. But it, but it it just forms part of everything about him, certainly from the outside. And you see the reaction to his hundreds and. You know, speaking to some England players after the hundred he got during the Ashes, everyone was quite emotional about that because mm. they know of his struggles and the fact that he's been used up and down the order. And the idea that of having him set a five in this team and just you know, Miller mentioned his quotes before. When he's giddy, you know, he he's quite punchy anyway. <laughs> he can be very sour in certain moments, even mm. when he's done well, because it feels like he's always you know, the whole never write Johnny off mm. means that when he has his success, it's almost like, oh, I showed you, didn't I? And this was the first hundred in a while where it felt like you, you were actually all on my side. <laughs> Certainly the whole crowd was, the dressing room was, everyone watching it was happy for him. And it, real, it does feel like we could be, this, this new iteration of Best though, with the 300s in this year alone already, could be his 
best ever. Now mm. there's uh, there's going to be you know a lot of that is going to be offset by the white ball stuff and certainly his white ball form, form over the last year has probably suffered because of some tweaks he's made mm. for red ball purposes I suppose. But it's incredible to see him score runs and what he did yesterday was was it better than Stokes? I suppose Stokes headedly probably not because of the situation and yeah. the way Stokes played it from the night before. But in terms of seeing someone do that in Test cricket, it was mad, really. Yeah, and I mentioned the, the, the um, you know I mentioned the ground um, size as well. But I mean, those were big six. I mean, you were there. That must have <laughs> yeah, felt like n- none of them sort wild. of just plinked over the rope. <laughs> me, me, and I was sitting with Osman uh, Samudin, and we were just <laughs> looking at each other, saying, "This is insane. <laughs> yeah. What is happening here?" Um, and, and, the, and then afterwards, it was. I mean, Johnny looked genuinely like he was going to pop, but with pleasure. You know, <laughs> yeah. he looked so happy. Yeah, it's a bit um, on the side there. Just like, um, you know what? I've, I've, I've actually cracked it today. <laughs> I, mean, I, was, I was chatting to some, some, of, my, some of my chums, and um, Rob Smythe among them, the, mm. the, the former colleague, friend, long-term of listener, friend of the pod, it's all that. Uh, we were talking about English sports brawlingest <laughs> brawlers, basically drawing <laughs> up a list of the biggest brawlers yeah. in, in British sport, I should say, because basically you decided that Andy Murray was one, two, three, then Daylight, then probably some more Murray. But... <laughs> After Murray, I put I put Johnny Bairstow as probably in. the biggest brawler in in British sport. Yeah. Insofar yeah. as he doesn't get the credit for for you know having the having the sheer stats that that others have got, but stick him in a corner when you know it's do or die, mm. he will come up with the goods in a way that almost no one else literally could. I mean, the, the classic case in point being the World Cup. You know, yes. there he was teeing off about all, all of British, all of the British media wants us to fail, yada yada. I mean, you know, that's just Johnny. And lo and behold, two days later, out he goes and belts India all over the place at the edge best, and then does it again up, up against New Zealand. And suddenly, England are into the knockouts that, without that, uh, they would have been knocked out. Um, I mean, I've I've often said, I think that Bairstow is the best fifty-over player we've ever produced, but very distinct from being the best. White ball player, mm. I think you know Josh Butler probably yeah. still claims that crown as the, as the especially after his recent IPL. But in terms of in terms of ODI cricketer that we've ever had, I think Besto takes the crown, frankly. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to see you know in a circumstance like this, you know he's taken he's taken that mindset, frankly, and he, and and run with it. He was certainly brawling. Did uh, did the judge did Robin Smith get a mention from? <laughs> <laughs> we, once once we once we I think Don Best got mentioned. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. Punches above his weight. Um, Obviously, the the big picture is is just so big that it's massive, but there were lots of little details to pick out um, from this game as well. I mean, so many, really. But, um, Vish, you've sort of touched on um, Alex Lees, the new Matthew Hayden, as obviously we're all calling him. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Apparently, his nickname uh, uh, when he was uh, younger at Yorkshire, Hados. Um, But, I mean, a real... Transformatory test for him. He had, he he scored sort of twenty or thirty balls at Lords and and with a I think four boundaries and then everyone was talking that up quite a lot afterwards and obviously there was a bit of a feel good factor around England winning, but I mean this was an altogether uh, you know a more impressive step up. Um, Sixty seven I think the first innings, although he, he did benefit from a drop, but then he came out in that chase and he pinged the first two balls for. For four, yeah. um, I was actually thinking this is going to be an Alex Lee's peace day. And obviously, the, the day ended. It did end a bit differently. Did you keep that intro? <laughs> I've got it. It's saved. Well. It's saved nice. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you, I mean, you've touched on him, Ollie Pope, of course, um, England's new number three. Uh, that was a very significant innings as well. 
Yeah, yeah. I suppose to start with Lee's, do you remember when he came on the scene where, you know, it was him and Lyth up top and obviously Lyth... When you went to his uh, the championship game where he scored his... You don't need to mention that. His, it's his, his first switch hit. What are you his doing? His main hundred. <laughs> I need to tell a story now. You do. You I need to tell a story now, don't I? Basically, I went by a rotor that I thought was correct and it turns out the day listed for Middlesex versus Yorkshire... <laughs> Uh, it was at Lords was as as always as it had been for the start of that season. Thought it started on the Thursday. It turns out it started on the Wednesday at about one PM. I get a call from Alan Gardner saying, "Fish you at Lords?" I was like, "No, I'm currently a couple of glasses deep at Wormsley." He's like, "Right, just because we've we've got you down for Middlesex Yorkshire." I was like, "Oh, right, okay, because that's tomorrow." He's like, "No, it's not. No, it's not. It's today." Alex Lees is scoring, future England Open Alex Lees is about to score his first Championship 100. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> I did see Rashid Pfeiffer, I think, eventually, when I got down. Yeah. Yeah. You did do the report for the other three days. Yes, I, well, exactly, see what you're worried about. Three out of four, it's 75%. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, when he, when he started in T20 cricket, when those he used to open, like Lees was, he was quite a cultured dasher. Like, I, you know, mm. I remember watching games where he was picking balls outside our stump and, you know, chinning them through mid-wicket. And he was, he was quite risky, especially when he was on the drive. Like specifically in white ball cricket, obviously. But mm. there was there was that shot maker there. I think of the one-handed cut shot, actually, where he almost... It was almost like a shot that spoke of a regression, that he's focused on being a white ball player, which is how he's... Sorry, a red ball player, which is how he's got this opportunity. And then it was almost like, you know, he got the hand of a murderer and it was working against him. And he was like, oh, no, no, I used to do this. I just haven't done it in 10 years. Um, and it was quite cool because I think, I suppose, we're going to see a lot of that. You think of a lot of players think they have, well, have special... I think of someone like Ollie Pope. Ollie Pope is basically specialised as a Red Bull player because he could have gone down a different route mm. where he is this, you know, BBL, potentially IPL type English player going abroad and Yeah, yeah, he's got, got the shots, is not he? Yeah. yeah. The reverse yeah, absolutely. and so on. Um, and like to you know to, to see leads like that, it'd be interesting to see how that carries forward. It's it's to do what they do or what they what they hope to do going forward. It's very hard to do as an opener. Mm. And if you think of how Crawley naturally plays, you think right, it'd be quids in for that. Yeah. So not really how it worked out. And I suppose that also tallies back to what I said about how we cover them will have to be a di- bit differently. Maybe it's almost like yeah. if you edge one behind. That's your fault. If you blaze one behind, fine. <laughs> Maybe not quite like that, but you know we'll have that conversation. I, I think Crawley can do that. Yes, he can do both. <laughs> With Pope, um, yeah, they, I don't think Pope looks like Ian Bell. I, I should I should get this off my chest straight away. I, I don't see it at all. But I think the career path will be very similar, and I think this is that you know which tallies alongside with Bell in that I don't think he is a future number three. But I think he will learn a lot by doing this role mm-hmm. at number three. Um, I still think, you know, having just said what I said about how we should cover them, I still do think he's quite loose outside of stump. He's mm. very tetchy. And, and not all, often or not always with attacking strokes. No, no, that, exactly. That sort of reflexive yeah. little fiddle to, to yeah. get Trent Bolt. Well, the trajectory is the same as Bell as well, because Bell came back in 2009 famously. Obviously, he got dropped that winter in the Caribbean, went off, toughened up, came back, played a very important part in the Ashes and then went yes, off to yeah. South Africa and got his 100. But that's essentially the same four-year gap yeah. between 2005 debut and or 2004, I think it was. But, but um, you know, between that and 2018 debut for Pope and, mm. you know, early promise gives away to falling away, comes back to not quite, not quite fulfilment. Because I, I, I think I, there was a lot of talk about him being a bit... Um, 
you know, still still sort of walking into his strokes a bit, a bit frenetic at times. And, they're, they're, you know, you do wonder, he just needs to be a bit stiller. Uh, yeah. I think Matt and Nasser Hussain was making that point quite mm. a lot on, on commentary. So there, there's still, there was still a sense that he could get in trouble early on in innings. But once he got into it, I mean, you, you know, he was, he was flowing like the best of them. And, yeah, I mean, there, there is... Of that new breed, and I, I suppose like I'm, I'm not specific saying specifically his generation, but if you look at the players who have come in to the England side and those on the periphery over the last three or four years, he is comfortably the most disruptive. He's exactly the kind of player who, when he gets to 70 and he's on a flat one, he just it feels like every shot goes before. And he's one of those players as well where, if you think of like KP, KP always used to talk about rotating a strike and he would do it in like, this big abrasive way and you know the bowlers would just be sick of him because he'd almost bully them you know he'd hit to different areas they'd move field out he'd hit somewhere else mm. reverses this that and the other Pope seems to hit the same shot from 1 to 50 as he does 50 to 100 I don't really know how he does that you know he was still rocking back and cutting through point you know past his 100 and I thought there's got to be a fielder out there surely but he's just <laughs> you know he, his manipulation of his wrists I suppose to get them just short of boundary or sorry wide of boundary riders and things like that mm. it's remarkable really and, it, and it's you know it's a product of growing up on the oval where you get batting friendly decks and you can probably experiment a bit experiment a bit more with your shot selection you don't necessarily have to be too creative as it were um but yeah like obviously if he if he thrives at number three england are in, in you know him at number three doing well through Stokes best I mean you're laughing really but I don't see it necessarily see it as a long-term thing but I absolutely wouldn't be against it well, yeah, it's um, it's going all right so far. Um, Miller, we should talk about Joe Root, who uh, another option at number three. Oh, he's quite good as well, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Moments, yes, moments. I mean, um, yeah, it was taken us a while to get round to it, but this was one of his more extraordinary innings, really. I mean, uh, his 27th Test 100, his fourth of the year, his second in successive innings, um, his 10th since the start of 2021 that's a career um, isn't it like it, if you if, you, if someone's got 10 <laughs> test hundreds in their career you yeah. he was a good player yeah yeah he's done yeah. right um and it's so it's sort of run of the mill brilliance but um there there were there was a difference about this one i i, I felt there was, the, the there sort was, of fun and and some of the shots i mean some of the shots some again i talk about johnny Burstow's post-match comments which were which were utter dynamite and just thought wow that's 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 basically post-match story written but Joe Root's comments before the start of day four mm. uh, went almost unnoticed there was just a quick interview with Sky and he came out with one of the most extraordinary statements I've ever heard from an England, England player so as current players we have the ability to rewrite the the coaching manual and then I think he went on to say we shouldn't be afraid of underestimating how uh, easy this game is a word side effect it was it was absolutely extraordinary so you know undercomplicating sorry we shouldn't be afraid of undercomplicating this game was i mean it's just, okay okay joe what do you mean by that what just he means by ball. that just... is reverse reverse <laughs> scooping uh, six over fine leg i mean it's like okay that's um that yeah okay that's that, that's undercomplicating well, well well played joe root i mean you know again he's played that before why but... haven't you been doing this <laughs> It was it was it was an extra, extraordinary sentiment, very very softly spoken because that's what mm. Joe Root does. But you know he was he was in the he is in the zone every bit as much as Johnny was, and mm. he realizes that you know there's a freedom and a and a and a levity around the team at the moment that just allows him to do what he does. I mean, okay, he failed in that second innings. He got a, got out for three from four balls, a big big sort of gasp around mm. around Trent Bridge, thinking, oh, we're doomed. But no, because he's he his positivity. 
is infectious. People, people hear what he's got to say. People watch him from the other end. I mean, we had Zach Crawley batting up the other end in the Caribbean. We've had we've had Ollie Pope, Pope in first and, innings. And All these guys. <clears throat> you got you got Ben Stokes on the balcony just shaking his head, thinking, "How the hell does he do that?" All of these guys are in awe of him, even though you know he's probably the least demonstrative cricketer out mm. there. You know, he just he just nudges the gap and flicks off his pad and. Suddenly he's you know he's travelling without moving he's on he's on forty from fifty balls and you, you've hardly remembered a stroke it's uh, he's done this his entire career but all of a sudden I think he's getting more kudos for it because it, he epitomises the subtlety that can still exist in this team it's not all about blazing sixes into into the short boundary and the Bridgeford Road stand it's about you know trotting along to a hundred and sixteen ball century uh, without looking like you're breaking sweat and he he can do that like nobody else and. and he he is simply incredible, I and mean, that that stat that's doing the round at the moment as well about the fact that uh, of the big four, uh, he's he's got ten hundreds since in the last eighteen months without any of the other three moving one. Um, I mean he's in he's in such a purple patch; it's extraordinary. Um, but but more than that, what he's doing to the team ethic just by being Mister Mister Nice Guy Root, who everyone wants to see do well. And and yet everyone at the same time is in completely completely in awe of it's a, it's an amazing ability to 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 have that you may you know a few years ago we had KP perhaps would have been in a similar sort of situation KP would have people would have been in awe of him think wow look at him look at him go um, you don't ever get the sense that there was quite that same sort of buy in I mean there were people KP he, had, he had he had his, he had his disciples perhaps but he, but he he probably didn't have the same sort of collective buy in from the team that wasn't. He, Getting the order in at Mega Munch. <laughs> exactly. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. He's got, good, he's got good reach, KB, couldn't he? Because there was a lot of passing of <laughs> yeah. uh, kebabs, wasn't there? So, good at that. Talking about sort of uh, uh, flamboyance, but in an understated way, that that um, sort of whippy hockey shot to long on that Root played mm. that was really outrageous, sort of KP-esque. But, yeah, yeah. KP at Headingley, yeah, mm. uh, in his last uh, mm. 2012 against Africa, yeah, yeah. Stain and yeah, that was there was there was also a shot in the first innings he played right at the start where he played he played like a swivel pull mm, and he sort the of ball would have been about stump yeah, yeah. The ball would have been about stump high and I thought maybe you're like you know maybe it is you know part of this like oh one night experiment on a few things but maybe it's also like he's just it feels like for all of them. Something has gone off. Like you know, we mentioned it earlier on that like they've been able to access some part of their brain that they weren't able to access before, and that's even happened for Root. And he's thought, "Yeah, hey, why don't I do this?" I still remember. So during the twenty nineteen Ashes, I think Josh Butler was doing media after one of the days, and I, and I asked him, and I was like, "Is it strange knowing that when someone bowls you a ball that you would leave in this Test match?" that that same delivery, if it was a white ball, if you were in coloured clothing, you would just turn your wrist around and flick it over there. And how much do you have to fight against that? And he he laughed and he was like, you know, that's part of playing Test cricket. And he didn't really answer the question, but I suppose what he meant was part of playing Test cricket is suppressing those urges. Mm. And now someone like Joe Root, who has basically only played Test cricket, is now indulging those same urges. And it's nice to know he has those urges because I thought they were gone, to be mm. honest. <laughs> well, this, 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 is, this again comes back to my original point about, about the zeitgeist and the importance that Test cricket does what it's doing because it is so, so important for Test cricket that it is attractive to the world's best players. If the world's best players are just playing the IPL, if, you know, we had, I covered a fair bit of the IPL and there were some, there were some 
humding in contests. I mean, uh, there were Jazzpreet Bumrah and, and Pat Cummins duking it out in one particular IPL game. Absolutely classic match. But all you get is four overs of these guys. I mean, what can you do? I mean, Jazzpreet Bumrah, I think he's got five for two or something in four overs. It's a ridiculous spell. And still lost to Pat Cummins. I think it was the same game. But, and this you know, to repeat is Pat Cummins batting against Well, yes. And, and he also bowled quite well, but that's, yeah. that's by the mind. Um, but, you know, th- this... If you are in a situation right where, where you can't... You know, obviously, both those guys are playing very good test cricket at the moment, and that's great. But, you know, you look at all the West Indian all the West Indian greats of IPL recently who, who haven't given test cricket a, a, a single look. You look, think of Joss Butler, who can't get in the side, and you think back to what Vish was talking about, Butler in the Ashes. That thousand-yard stare he had at, at Adelaide when he was dropping catches and not knowing how on earth he's meant to compute all the endless possibilities of this game. If suddenly you're looking at what England are up to here, you think, okay, oh, we're doing it this way. Fine, I want some of that. You've got Moeen Ali suddenly on the on the sidelines in the TMS box. Yeah. Thinking, you know what? You know, I, I, I quite fancy a bit of this. Yeah, get, get, get me back in. You know, you know, Sam Curran will be in there and, you know, Adil Rashid and you, you get, get, get all the boys back together. You've got Harry Brook coming through and, and all the under-19 kids coming coming through as well. Jacob Bethnal will be in there in a the minute. I mean, you know, it, it makes it makes perfect sense that people, you would want Test cricket to be attractive to the best players in the world. There's all, sorry. No, me. but that, that's it. You, you, it's got to be. If it's not, it isn't. And there's also the knock-on effect that we talk about, um, you know, fans getting into the game, the need for Test cricket to evolve and, and stuff like this. And, yeah, being attracted to the best players. If you look at what's been happening, you know, for the younger players at the moment, and I'm saying between, like, 18 and 22, 23, let's say, a lot of those players are covertly making the lean towards playing a bit more white ball cricket. Mm. And, and not to single him out because he's an incredible player and he's still got plenty of time on his side. But you think of someone like Will Smead. Will Smead could easily mm. just think, you know what, I don't need the red ball anymore. I can go off and do this. Yeah, yeah. And to see, not not even necessarily it being fun, but to see Test cricket played in a way that, you know, would welcome his strengths as they are now, or as they are specific to the thing that's making him the most money, say, at the moment. Mm then that is only going to be a good thing. And, you know, there was a def- there was definitely a danger where, you know, and it was almost set off by Adil Rashid and Alex Hales where, you know, when they signed those first white ball deals, and then, if, you know, Harry Gurney came came through as well. And then other such deals exist now in county cricket that we aren't particularly aware of. Um, and there was a fear we're basically going to lo- lose a generation of players who absolutely are going to want to do more with their career and make the most money from this career that is... You know, has a very small window in their lives, mm-hmm. um, and so to be able to bring them back with that attraction and make them think, you know, this is fun, mm-hmm. you're going to enjoy it. It's not as stuffy as you thought it was. Then that, yeah, that is only a good thing. It's going to affect outside the game and into the game. And also, well. you know, in terms of, in terms of pandering to ego, you know, all sportsmen have ego. All sportsmen want to ultimately feel like they're part of history. And how cool is it in that respect? that you can have a situation we're talking about this test match and somehow you've got a record from 120 years ago is suddenly being mentioned in the same breath as a Johnny Bairstow onslaught. I mean, everything... Not every, a real record, so... It's not, not, not maybe, maybe bump. <laughs> but, but the fact that you can, you, you can even even bring that into the, into the equation. You know, the IPL, for all its, its mega money... Uh, didn't exist before 2008 it's you know this this is we're talking about a game that has existed since since before the dawn of time frankly and there's a chance to buy back into it and be part of a, a wider narrative there's nothing else there's no other way you can play cricket and be linked viscerally to Viv Richards say or or, or, or Bradman 
sobers. There's no, there's no, you can't do it unless unless you're willing to to play this form of the game. And so, if you really want to be part of history, really want to feel like you you're invested in it, 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 it is important. And so, you know, that's that that's that is the tentative reason why when cricketers get asked over the last ten years, is Test cricket still the pinnacle? They they still give that answer because you know deep down they probably do believe yeah it would be nice to be mentioned in the same breath as these guys even if you know frankly take it or leave it you know i'll take my money at the ipl thank you very much and you know if i if i get a cap or two lovely but give them give them something that's fun give them something that, that they, they actually really think you know what I've, I've done it in in four overs in an ipl but can i do it in 40 over the course of two innings to win a test match that is a massive great bar brawl and brings the house down in the end i'm um, yeah maybe maybe i want to do that well you've sold me um it was it was marvelous stuff um i'd say apart from the catching really if they if both sides had caught well this game would have finished on day four and uh, and we wouldn't be having this conversation uh, a quick a quick word before we wrap um i guess on on new zealand poor the poor kiwis i mean has there ever been a captain uh Vish, more retrospectively glad to have missed a test at the last minute than kane williamson well, yeah, I mean, he could have enjoyed it, couldn't he? He would have sat in his bed, you know, sat, sat in his hotel room watching that. I wouldn't have done that, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Don't bother there to Johnny. <laughs> yeah, it was quite um, quite chastening for them, wasn't it? You I mean, know. Trent Bolt was uh, arguably the player of the match until the point that Johnny Bairstow yeah. got going on. A really flat pitch, took eight wickets. Especially, you Darryl know... Mitchell scored 190 well, you, um, you and Osman on uh, Polite Inquiries mentioned that he probably had the best, worst game of all time, didn't he? Well, this he? is Miller's question we have to, have to oh, give, go, give yeah. credit to. <laughs> um, and we forgot to mention when we were tallying up there that um, Mitchell also didn't hang around to let Bolt get the record, although he got there on. The, and he also the gave he also gave away overthrows when he when when yes, he, when he threw, threw a ball up as, yeah, a, as yeah. a crowd catch. So yeah, he had a shocker. Yeah, scratch him off. <laughs> <laughs> and they were obviously hampered by Carl Jameson being injured. But but on the on the on the on that note about Bolt again, another guy who who came straight straight off the plane from mm, the IPL. Yeah. He had an absolutely storming IPL, yeah, got yeah. to the final. Um, did everything right, but and then that's, that's the perfect preparation for a test series. Well, that's it, what we would appear to be yeah. somehow. I mean, Johnny Johnny has expressed it in in quotes today that you'll all go and read on Cricket Info shortly. But uh, um, yeah, it, somehow the, these two very very diverse formats have have married up this week, and it could be beautiful. It could be could be very messy as well. But what the hell, <laughs> I'm I'm up for that. I thought Bracewell was alright actually. To be honest, yeah. up until yes. good the last day, I thought I thought he. I mean, actually, decent yeah, debut. Up until the last day, yeah. And, and obviously, sadly, he's now isolating. Yes. He tested positive with COVID. So. Yeah, I hope he's all right. But um, <laughs> it feels like a Neil Wagner test come Henley, doesn't it? <laughs> well, that's what you're hoping <laughs> for. Release the I'm wild assuming, horse. You know. Yeah, release the wild horse. Yeah, pull uh, this one. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Well, we're all looking forward to seeing that. Um, I think our cup runneth over. Uh, so let's wrap things up before a cricket ball gets dunked in it. St Brendan and his apostles will be looking to perform more minor miracles in Leeds in a week's time. But the tonking doesn't stop as England's white ball OGs get stuck into an ODI series in the Netherlands in the meantime. We'll be back for more soon, of course. And please continue to tell us what you think via your preferred pod platform. My thanks to Vish and Miller. This has been the Switch Hit podcast on ESPN Quick Info.